Hey there, thank you for joining the live podcast, a podcast provided by the Love Your Soul Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit aimed to help spread the message of self-love and the powerful ripple effect that has in not only building a better relationship with yourself, but a better relationship with others and with our beautiful planet. So if you're on a mission of self-healing, of self-improvement, of self-discovery, this podcast is for you. Be sure to like us on all social media platforms at the LY Foundation, at our website, thelyfoundation.org. And we're so thankful that you found us and we just hope to help you no matter where you are in your journey and to remind you that you are the most important person in your life. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to The Conversation, a LYF podcast series where we provide our insights, thoughts, and experiences on self-love exploration. My name is JR, Technology Coordinator and Board Member for the Love Yourself Foundation. And my name is Ayla, Growth and Development Coordinator of the Love Yourself Foundation. Welcome to the end of week three, JR. Hey, we're plugging along here. The weeks are going down. So quickly. Like, we're about to be a third of the way through it. I know. Just like that, going into the next week. So I'm really excited to go through it today. Yeah, I'm excited too. I will have to admit, I know that we're going to get into the check-in and all of that, but this week was a rough one a little bit. Still able to do everything that I needed to do, but wow, was this one a hard week. To start, this week, for those of you who are coming in and just listening to the podcast, is about recovering a sense of power. It says this week may find you dealing with unaccustomed bursts of energy and shark peaks of anger, joy, and grief. You will be asked to consciously experiment with spiritual open-mindedness. Now, as we mentioned last episode, when I read this, I was excited because I was like recovering a sense of power. How exciting. And let me tell you, after the week, JR, I do not feel a recovering sense of power. And so I'm glad that you share the sentiment because this week also was a miss for me. I was doing my morning pages and I was like, I wonder if this week was better for JR because for me, it was a little bit of a miss. I feel like, and there is a chapter in there about synchronicities. I think we're synchronized at some point of this week because we both were feeling the same sentiment about what was going on for this week. At least for me, it definitely was a struggle for morning pages. Was able to do it though, which was great, but that was a struggle. And there's one section in particular that I was having a hard time with because couldn't really relate very well, but majority of it was a lot about the anger and the shame, especially in my childhood coming into adulthood, which kind of was a moment in time for me to revisit, sit with, and really think about for a while, which would made things even harder for me. So yeah, compared to the other weeks, this one was the hardest one so far. For sure. Let's get into the check-in and see where we're starting. First question, of course, how many days this week did you do your morning pages? How was the experience for you? And if you skipped a day, why did you skip it? Ooh, okay. I was able to get the six out of seven days. Way better than last week. I know. That's good. I think I missed one of the days because that particular day got away from me. If people are hearing this, this is probably a week after, but the Golden Knights, Vegas Golden Knights, ended up winning the Stanley Cup on Tuesday. So I was a little bit busy celebrating that and had a hard time the next morning to (laughs) to get after the morning page. You know what he's saying. Morning pages turn into afternoon pages. We still did it somehow, some way, but six out of seven days, I was able to do it. What about you? I had a tough week. (laughs) 
I did five and a half out of seven. Oh, five and, and a half. And he say five and a half. One day I skipped. I woke up and I looked at it and I said, no, I'm not doing that today. And it was interesting. I was like, I literally do not have it in me to do it. I just did not want to, which I'm not sure what arose from me to feel that way because I haven't had that strong of a feeling about it yet. Mm. And I think that was day two or three. And so I was like, I can't miss two days, though. I'm not sure if it was the day after or which day was it, but I did only 1.5 pages instead of three. And I got to the halfway point and I said, I think something's better than nothing and I'm ready to stop here. Yes. Okay, <laughs> good. I'm glad that we shared that because there were a couple of days where it was maybe two and a half pages, two pages, and just realizing, do I want to just write random stuff for this next page or just say, you know what, I did my best for today and we'll get after it tomorrow. And I think there's a lot of self-compassion there to be like, this is what I could offer today. And I'm glad I even wrote it all because I could have skipped another day. So that's the approach I had. I'm hopeful coming into the next week that I can improve upon that habit. I I was brainstorming today in my morning pages actually about, is there a way I can use these pages in a way that's more meaningful to me so I can utilize them better? And I know they're supposed to be just whatever comes to mind, but sometimes I'm like, I don't have anything else on my mind. And that's a good thought, but I'm also like, then what? So that'll be something for me to think about moving forward. Hey, and like we say, or have been saying for a couple of weeks now, to give yourself grace while you're doing this, it's a lot to handle and process and implement into your day-to-day life. Five and a half days out of seven is way better than zero days. So good for you. Thanks. Do you want to go over the next question? Yeah. Next question is, did you do your artist date this week? What did you do and how did you feel? I did. I actually was very in touch with my creativity this week. Nice. And I attribute that surge, if you will, to the artist way. I'm just feeling a lot more in tune with my imagination and curiosity in making things. So I've been doing a lot of brainstorming and a lot of drawing I even did some like apparel creation and painting. So I did a ton of things this week and it felt really good. And I definitely feel like I'm getting to the right place. But for me, I'm noticing a lot of problems in terms of filling the well. And for those of you who either missed it or need a reminder, filling the well was talked about in the first week about how much energy you have to create. And I noticed that I've been really inspired lately to do lots of creation, but that energy to create lasts about 30 minutes. And then I'm like, okay, I'm burnt out and I need to do something to replenish. And so I'm hoping as I practice more that well can have that ceiling or have a, a larger cap where I can do things for longer without losing that energy to continue. That's great. I think that's interesting too, to know that even though you are giving that date to yourself to be creative, to do the things that fill that as much as you can, but still having that other side of it where 30 minutes and after that it's all right what do I do now I'm hoping that as time goes on as the weeks go on the more that you learn the easier it will be to fill that well for you I agree how did you do I ended up going to the driving range to practice golf my golf swing and all that stuff so this is an opportunity for me to be creative in a sense that your swing is unique you are in control of what ends up happening out there. It feels really good to just throw in the AirPods and just zone out a little bit and be that creative when trying to figure out shot shapes and all this other stuff. That was a really good time for me. And actually it ended up turning into a positive because I ended up shooting my lowest round ever. There's something to be said with 
implementing the creativity that you put forth that end up becoming really good for you. And I know that we talk about this in this chapter a little bit as well. So it was nice to have a marriage of the two ideas come to fruition in reality. And I think that's a big testament towards what we were talking about last week in identifying creativity in everything that you do. That's not something I typically would think of, but there is a lot of creativity in that. And I think it's a cool example to see in real time. And I'm glad that you were able to get the results from it too. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a long time. I guess I would have to attribute it to the artist way and the things <laughs> yeah. I'm learning, like you had said earlier. The next question is, did you experience any synchronicity this week and what was it? Yeah, going back to that same example, there's a section in the chapter about letting the expectation of things that are happening around you to allow them to happen. And the sense of the universe is trying to give you signs of things that you should be doing or giving you outlets that you should pursue. And I think that being able to do the artist date and allow that creativity help that idea of allowing the universe just to keep giving to you. You're doing something good. Now the universe is going to give back to you. So I would say that was a synchronicity for this week. Obviously, I didn't talk to you this week. and We were on the same synchros as the morning pages go. So, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. number two of them. Oh, definitely. And for me, it was seeing what has been said in the pages come into fruition in my life and the way that I've had the creative spurts and I guess like renewed belief in myself and the interest to see where that goes. But it was interesting. I actually did one of the activities before I even read them, which I thought was a cool one. One of the tasks for this week was to list five favorite childhood foods and buy one of them for yourself this week. And I went to the grocery store early in the week and I actually saw one that I used to eat in middle school. And I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't had that in so long. And I bought it. So I did it unintentionally. Okay, this is an interesting one. Ready? It's baked hot Cheetos. Wow. <laughs> Okay, that's what's up. Yeah, it's interesting. In middle school, I used to have them all the time with my lunch. And I don't know why they just hold a place for me there. So when I saw them, I was like, I remember that's these so, to be good. That's so awesome. <laughs> interesting enough, I did do the same one. Didn't go out to the grocery store to buy it, but I do have my list as well. And be interesting to get into it later on in the episode. And that can bring us into what week three taught us. Starting at the beginning, we have a section on anger, if you want to start with that, JR. Yeah, so right at the very beginning of the chapter, she says, anger is fuel. We feel it and we want to do something. The idea that anger drives you to possibly make some changes in your life. She has mentioned in here that anger is the firestorm that signals the death of our old life. And it really just goes into that idea of channeling that emotion into something positive instead of sitting in that emotion and letting it control you, so to speak. So what did you find out about this chapter? I actually really liked this chapter because when you hear anger, it's a very negative connotation. And this chapter really outlined it as a positive emotion as anger is the clearest guide to your true self because it's telling you that something is striking you to a core and telling you that a change needs to happen. And so she says we do everything but listen to it, but anger is a map and shows us what our boundaries are. It shows us where we want to go. Like, wow, that's so interesting because it does tell us what change needs to happen. But when I'm angry, usually I don't dive into it in that kind of way to be in tune with myself. So... I don't know. I just thought it was really interesting. She goes into some examples about places where you'll feel anger and what that anger is trying to tell you. For me, in my personal example with that, 
I used to feel like almost a sense of seeing what other people do online, like on TikTok or something for their business. And I would be like, wow, like they're making money off of that. I could do better than that. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. I've never listened to what that feeling is. And really like the whole time it's been telling me that I've been burying my artist and I've been wanting to do things. And then I'm getting frustrated that other people are doing them. And so this really resonated with me because she says that when it's used properly, anger is useful. I guess the best example is the last line where it says anger is not the action, it's the action's invitation. And so, yeah, I think that this chapter was really just insightful. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. My example of that was a couple of years ago, I was angry about what I wasn't doing at my job that I had at the time angry that I felt like I wasn't really doing anything impactful, that I wasn't really utilizing my skills to do anything positive. And this was coming out of the pandemic. So we ended up going back into the office and this realization of people chasing the thing that they want to chase. And that last sentence is a perfect example of all that. Anger is not the action itself. It is the action's invitation. It allowed me to really commit to the idea of leaving my job and trying to pursue my own thing. I did learn a lot from that. Obviously, it didn't pan out the way that I had hoped, but that dream is still very much alive. And I think that anger was channeled in a positive sense, where usually before then, anger was just a surface level thing where I'd be angry and really didn't know how to handle any of that. So it was a nice realization that anger doesn't have to be surface level. You can use it for your advantage. And I like to hear that when you read that section, you also thought about how that applied in your life. And I think that speaks to really how when we go through each week, we're like, wow, I can see that example and how we live two different lives and we still can see it. And so I think it's really cool. I mean, it makes me wonder, too, about anybody listening or going through it at home, what kind of examples that they're seeing in their own life. Yeah, that idea of shared experiences. And like you said, we all have different lives. You and me are different in that sense, but we can still relate in a sense that whatever we're going through, regardless of it being different, it can still be the same. And with that in mind, the next chapter is synchronicity. So you want to get into that? Yes, which is a really interesting concept. She says, answered prayers are scary. They imply responsibility because you asked for it. Now that you've got it, what are you going to do? Why else the cautionary phrase, watch out what you pray for, you might just get it. Answered prayers deliver us back to our own hand and this is not comfortable. We find it easier to accept them as examples of synchronicity. So she gives a couple examples. A woman wonders how to rent a rare film she has never seen, and then she finds it in her neighborhood bookstore two days later. So basically, having a thought, having an idea, and it being put right in front of you later. And she spends the chapters talking about how we're more afraid that there might be a God than we are that there might not be, and that those incidents are not just coincidence. And I thought that was a really interesting concept. So I'm really intrigued to see how you felt about it, because I know we both represent the different sides of the spectrum. But for me, reading through this, I've had a few instances in my life where I've wanted something and then it be put into my life. It depends on the time of my life that I think about whether I felt it was God putting it in front of me or not. And sometimes I'd be like, no, that's too good to be true. And she talks about that as well, that that's not actually an invitation for you, but it'll always come back. And that's something I've noticed with me starting my own business is that I've wanted to do that for probably 10 years. And there's been a lot of opportunities in my life where that has come as an invitation to me. 
And I've put it off as no, like I can't do that yet or there's a reason. And so for me this week, I was really like, wow, I need to listen more when those doors open to me. Yeah, I share the same sentiment. There have been multiple instances of situations coming up where if I had just said yes or I went to go do the thing that the outcome would have been a little bit different. But instead, I tried to ignore those signs, so to speak, and then just revolve back to complacency. This was the chapter that was a little bit harder for me. Obviously, there's a lot of reference to a God and me not being a religious person. It was hard to comprehend how to put that into my own life. The simplest form is to change God into universe and whether it may be just things in the matter or whatever it may be, that was the only way that I could really comprehend how to make sense of all of that. But the very beginning where it says answered prayers are scary. One example that I give again, it was before the pandemic, our job had set up our infrastructure in order to allow remote work, uh, something that was relatively new for anyone in the world. And we kept telling ourselves in IT that, hey, wouldn't it be so cool if we just work from home? Like, we have the technology to do it. And then not more than maybe six months later, you know what ended up happening. So we got to experience what that was 100% full time. It's strange and things that I can't answer for myself when you put things out there and then all of a sudden these things are coming back to you. And I guess it really comes down to how much you believe and what you believe in. But it was interesting to read this chapter and how that all comes about. And I think she does touch on the fact that even if you don't believe in God as defined, that the idea, why don't you take what's offered to you and just run with it and see where it takes you? I highlighted one line. She says, we like to pretend it is hard to follow our heart's dream. The truth is it is difficult to avoid walking through the many doors that will open. And it's almost a willpower against yourself, which I think is really interesting. But I was wondering how you felt about the idea of even if it's not God that's granting you those things, about listening to those doors being offered to you and going through them. Yeah, that's always been a tricky thing for me because you always want to make sure that you're making the right decision for whatever it is that you're trying to do or pursue. Sometimes when multiple doors end up opening up, it can be overwhelming at sometimes and not knowing what is the right door to walk through. This journey is very interesting in that sense that there are many twists and turns. You really don't know where things are going to end up, but I think there is... A beautiful thing about it that even having the opportunity for those doors to be open is a blessing. How do you feel about that? Very similar. A blessing is a good way to think about it. But I think when it comes in the moment, it's almost confusing. And that may come, I think, from my end, at least, which Julia's talked about is the idea that like we don't deserve it. That's why we don't go through the door. And so I really have been trying to do my affirmations like the morning pages say and tell myself that like why don't I deserve that and we'll see the change hopefully eventually but I think for me why I haven't listened is that kind of belief do I even deserve to do that or disbelief that I could do it which I think is really interesting how those kind of blurts come back up for me. I love the fact that you said the word deserve that's something that I struggle with a lot of trying to make certain decisions in my life. And when certain things come up, do I actually deserve what it is that's in front of me? One line that's in the chapter says, understand that the what must come before the how. First choose what you would do. The how usually falls into place of itself. 
which really resonated with me a little bit and just giving up that power to whatever the universe or God wants to give you because as long as you know what your what is, everything else will just come into fruition eventually at some point. I love that. You said that really beautifully. And it almost grants me a sense of peace to feel like I don't have to figure all of it out and just see what follows. And the next chapter that it goes into is shame, which I think is interesting the way she structures the layout of each chapter. Do you want to go into what she talks about here? Yeah, actually, this chapter was one of my favorite parts of this week, which is a weird thing to say when it comes to the word shame. She says shaming someone is an attempt to prevent the person from behaving in a way that embarrasses us. The act of making art exposes society to itself. Art brings things to light and illuminates us. It sheds light on our lingering darkness. It casts a beam into the heart of our own darkness and says, see, so basically what she's talking about is this idea that we don't like to share because we're afraid of what others are going to say and actually stops us from either being creative or showing off creative things because people in our lives tend to not see it in the same light, which I think is interesting that it comes up in this week because a little bit of that came up in last week about holding things to yourself, the naysayers, forget what the term she used in last week for those particular people who are pulling away from your creativity. But it's a sense of shame that stops a lot of what we do. And this one resonated with me a lot because I do remember the child within me back in the day through elementary school, middle school, a little bit in high school of how confident he was. And as I've grown older, the more afraid I am to show things because I don't want to be shamed. It's just very interesting. What did you take away from this chapter? Yeah, everything you've said is spot on. And it was really interesting because, again, she puts things in a way that kind of contradicts what you like innately think about them. And two lines stuck out to me. One was, what will they think of me once they know this? And I think that's something that's stuck with me for a long time of why I've stopped myself from pursuing because I had that fear of what are people going to think when I do that. And it's interesting because it's something I'm passionate about. And the idea that you could choose something that's really you and still feel afraid of what people think it's interesting because it's you obviously feel so good about it. But I think that comes from that fear of rejection because if it is so you, then people are not liking you for who you really are. So that really stuck out to me and stayed there throughout the entire chapter of just thinking about how that's this shame is a big reason why when really I'm the one that's created that. And she says, then I have it starred, when people do not want to see something, they get mad at the one who shows them. And it's interesting because it doesn't have to necessarily be something bad that you're showing them, but it could be you showing them something within themselves that they don't want to acknowledge. Like me being jealous of someone who's doing the thing I want to do. And I get angry or shameful because I'm not doing it. And that's a message that I didn't want to acknowledge. And so I think it's really interesting the way she puts things here to, I don't know, build that structure in your life. And it's definitely a chapter for me that I think I'll be coming back to. And I know later on she says, as artists, we can't control all the criticism we receive. And to try to find a way to not allow the first negative thing to take hold and to use criticism as a way to think deeper about your art. And that's been something that's really hard for me is to create that separation that it doesn't mean it's bad. 
It's just someone's thought of it. But wow, this was a really great chapter. Yeah. And if I could touch on a paragraph that kind of brought it all home for me as to why I feel the way that I do and why I feel shameful sometimes. She says, many artists begin a piece of work, get well along in it, and then find as they're near completion that the work seems mysteriously drained of merit. It's no longer worth the trouble. To therapists, the surge of sudden disinterest is a routine coping device employed to deny pain and ward off vulnerability. And there's many instances within the artist's way so far that when you read something that it just stops you in your tracks, that was one of them. Having her lay it all out for me and make it as understandable as possible of realizing that, oh, this is exactly what I've been going through. Oh, the reason why I feel like I don't want to complete things is because of this. There's this coping mechanism within me that doesn't want to feel the pain or vulnerability of having to show it off or having to put it out in the world. She's definitely hitting all the nails on the head for sure. And I like that you brought up that section there because for me, it was like, a oh, that's why I do that <laughs> kind of moment. And I was like, dang it, Julia. <laughs> you did it again, Julia. Only week three and you're just putting it all out there. Right, yeah. But I think it's cool to be able to go through each week and kind of get answers. And I feel like it, that's what it is. It's giving us answers to things that like we knew were uneasy for us, but never knew why. And so I think that's exactly an example of that. Yeah, and at near the end of the chapter, she says, antidote the shame with self-love and self-praise. And the reality of all of this is that, again, she is putting the building blocks for you to become a better creative. And in those first couple of weeks, what were you learning? How to self-love and how to deal with positive affirmation and getting rid of negative thoughts. The reason why is now in this chapter and this week is you have to deal with shame. And how do you turn shame into something that can be a positive in your life and when those moments come up how do you deal with them and i think that she says it perfectly there great way to round out that chapter too and that leads us into the next chapter which is dealing with criticism which she gives us nine rules of the road basically with dealing with any form of criticism as always we're not going to read you all nine as an incentive for you to check out the book yourself it is free online just search the artist way pdf but me and jr will each go over to that stuck out to us if you want to start with one jr yeah my first one is do something very nurturing for yourself read an old good review or recall a compliment there's a lot of humility that i deal with in my life and compliments and praise is usually something that i try to stray away from or try to push away because that kind of makes me feel icky a little bit <laughs> <laughs> again like you had mentioned before that word deserve Sometimes I feel like I don't deserve that kind of thing, or I try to make it about everyone and not just for me. But realizing that when criticism does come, especially when it's the type of work that you're doing, type of creative work that you're doing, that you have to tap into the good that came out of that and things that had happened in the past of making you realize, oh, I am doing good work. I am a creative and what I am doing is good for me. So that was one of them. And the other one is do it creativity is the only cure for criticism. As we're learning through these weeks, you just have to do it. And you're, there's going to be a lot of situations where it's going to want to make you stop, but you can't stop because you know that it's good for you. And that's a constant reminder for me. Yeah, I love both of those. And mine were number five. Remember that even if you have a truly rotten piece of art, it may be a necessary stepping stone to your next work. 
And for me, that's very healing to think of maybe it is really bad, but it's necessary to be able to become good in the next piece and the next piece and the next piece. And so I really loved that idea. And then all of them are so good. The other one I'll choose is just the first one, receive the criticism all the way through and get it over with. I like the idea that she says to acknowledge it and to not ignore or to not play off, but to instead get through the whole thing. And for me, I think that's a practice that I don't like to do, but will help make it easier moving forward. Yeah. And I like the fact that you chose both of those because I feel like they both kind of work within each other. It's a lot of that get after it mentality of, yeah, there's going to be criticism and it's going to be there with whatever it is that you do, but just get through it, learn how to channel that energy into something positive and continue on with your work. The other one, of course, is uh, realizing that, hey, we all start somewhere. It ain't the best when you first get started, but eventually when you keep at it, you keep doing it, the better that you'll become, which is something that I constantly forget. I feel like anytime I try to pick up something that I want to be the best at day one, but the reality of it is all of this takes time. And I think that there's something beautiful in the sense that the more time that you spend on the thing, the more you appreciate it because you'll remember where you started. That's beautiful. And of course, there are five other ones. So feel free to check those out as well. And let us know which one you think is the most important for yourself. And that kind of leads us into our activities for the week. It starts off with an exercise in the chapter, which I like when she does that because it's you have to do this. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> so the first one is something both of us had to do, which was a detective work exercise. And she says most blocked people are actually very powerful and creative personalities who have been made to feel guilty about their own strengths and gifts. Um, a little sleuth work is in order to restore the persons we have abandoned ourselves. And so she gives 20 prompts, things like my favorite childhood toy was blank. If it weren't too late, I'd blank. I am afraid that if I start dreaming, blank. My parents think artists are blank. And just seeing whatever comes to mind. And obviously, we're not going to go over each one. But how did this activity go for you, Jair? I had spoke on this a little bit at the top of the show about tapping into the childhood version of myself this week. And this really helped out with that and drove home that idea. I did all of them, but the ones that stood out the most were a lot of things that I was doing when I was a kid. Favorite childhood toys were action figures. Favorite movie as a kid was Transformers movie. Not the live action one, the actual good one. I just want to put that out there for everybody who's listening. And the other one was if I could lighten up a little, I'd let myself be silly. And I think hmm. a lot of this and the tasks that I chose for this week really played into the idea of that artist child and my younger self and how free that I was during that time and realizing what actually having the time to sit down and really remember the things that I was doing as a kid, realizing how creative I was. Action figures doing like little movies and stunts and just wanting to be my natural self and be silly and funny and not have a care in the world of what people thought of me. And yeah, I had wrote in somewhere, uh, either in the morning pages or one of the workbooks or whatever, that I was sad this week about that. There's a lot of myself that I'm trying to get back to, and that could be a template for me of the things that I wanted to put back into my life. So remembering all that stuff made me sad, but also gave me hope because I can well, implement yeah. that stuff again. Yeah. And I'm really happy that you had that realization and could use this in that way. For me, it was similar reading through this. I remembered how creative I used to be as a kid and I would want to build forts outside and actually whatever kids imagine themselves to be and play chef outside with mud and 
I was very imaginative and curious and wanted to explore and be adventurous. And as I've gotten older, I, I admired those things, but I don't let myself be adventurous in that way as much anymore. And so I shared that sentiment of being like, wow, I don't know where that was lost. And it is sad to think about that, but also empowering to think that's still you. <laughs> and that just because it was at a different time doesn't mean it's not you. And so I really liked that as well. And it was a cool activity to just do the finish the sentence style there. Yeah, I love that you said that. There, There's still a little Ayla in there, still a little JR in me. And yeah, it was definitely something that made me think for a while of where I used to be, where I am now. And the saying comes into my head of when you're a kid, you want to be an adult. And then when you become an adult, you want to be a kid again. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just one of those things where you want to try to get back to that stuff that you used to love and it's very empowering that sentence of where did that kid go what happened when did I lose that side of myself and it just gives you time to want to try to figure that out and I'm sure as we go through the remaining nine weeks that those things will be recovered for us which is really cool and before she gets into the final task she has a short little spurt on growth we all know what growth means but I think the one thing that stuck out to me in this section was at the beginning she says you are capable of great things on Tuesday but on Wednesday, you may slide backward. This is normal. Growth occurs in spurts. And I think that's just a good reminder that it doesn't have to be a linear journey. It doesn't have to be always getting better every day, steadily being consistent with at least the attempts to and seeing where that takes you. And I think that part there really set up my week to listen to myself more and be more compassionate. Yeah, that was a synchronicity for me. I'm having a hard time this week with trying to keep up with everything that we needed to do for week three. And then I get to this chapter and the very first sentence is growth is erratic forward movement, two steps forward, one step back, and just having that grace within yourself. And she actually says to baby yourself a little bit and knowing that it's okay, that's going to happen. So that made me feel good in a sense that, hey, it doesn't need to be perfect. And that's where it brings us to week three's tasks, which we had 10 to choose from. I did five. So I said, I'll do the 50% <laughs> that is required of me. You got five and a half pages a morning. I'm going to give you five tasks, okay? So we weigh it out. <laughs> There's definitely some other ones that I want to take a look to, but some of them I didn't choose because I know I had did them prior. And not to say that I couldn't learn something again, but I wanted to do something a little bit different. So uh, I'll go over the two that stuck out most to me today. Actually, two activities, but the two activities were the five activities. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you'll know what I mean. So I did number two and three, which is describe five traits you like in yourself as a child and then list five childhood accomplishments. And as a treat, list five ch favorite childhood foods. That was a really interesting activity because it's almost like something you admire about yourself and you once had those qualities and it reminded me of what I still value, which I thought was really fun. And what I wrote down was I was very curious. I had a big imagination and I was a very glass half full mindset. Whatever I could have, I was happy to have it. And even if I had only a stick to play outside, like that stick was my wand or something like yeah. and, it was, and it didn't feel like I needed more. I just felt just very mindful. And I think that that was a, very admirable for me. And the things that I wrote as my accomplishments, too, it was almost like a good walk down memory lane to take in those steps. For the other activity, I did eight, nine and ten, which was list five people you admire. Now list five people you secretly admire. What traits do these people have that you can cultivate further in yourself? And then list five people you wish you had met who are dead. Now list five people who are dead who you'd like to hang out with for a while in eternity. 
What traits do you find in these people that you can look for in your friends? Now compare the two sets of lists. So a lot of list making today. <laughs> yeah. Or this weekend looking at where things are and what kind of values and traits I admire. And I found it really eye-opening to take into consideration the kinds of people that I look up to or the kinds of qualities that I really like long for. And it reset to tell myself, like, these are the things that you should be going after. Yeah, I think that's so cool that you had that kind of experience to go down memory lane because I felt like I was experiencing the same thing and a, a lot of it was happening back into childhood. And you had said it best in, in the sense that going down into the past that you realize certain things that you forgot about. I also did the list five childhood accomplishments and some of the tasks that I ended up doing for this week made me realize, again, how creative I was as a kid and how involved I was with creativity, not realizing as an adult, oh, I can't believe I forgot that I did all those things. For me, the childhood accomplishments, the first one was using performing choir and talent shows when I was a kid. I know, right? A lot of it had to deal with music too, which I completely forgot. The other one was I was accepted into the gifted and talented education program when I was in elementary school. Another one was in high school when I won the John Philip Sousa Award, which is an award that recognizes young musicians displaying superior musicianship, what? leadership, dependability, and loyalty. Not everybody. You forgot that. about this whole time. You forgot. I totally forgot. It is one of the more prestigious awards in music. So I totally forgot. We were first place in festival one year in high school as well. I remember we went to Disneyland. We performed there with all the other high schools that were around in that region. And ATEC was the one that won first place, which was amazing. And the last one was just getting good grades and excelling in, in school during that elementary to middle school time, which made me realize how much music had an impact in my life how much I was into excelling when I was a little kid and doing as much as I could to put myself in those situations. Now as an adult, I feel like I'm dumb and <laughs> I can't play a damn thing, which is crazy. Which, just joking around, I know that I'm not, but it is a realization of, damn, I did so much when I was a kid. And uh, that was, again, the situation where it made me sad a little bit of how did I lose all of that or how did I lose some of it, I guess you could say. And how do I tap back into it? So if anything, this week made me strive even more to want to get that person back. And I don't know if you share the sentiment, but as a kid, too, I never felt tired. I would be from the morning when I wake up to when I go to sleep. Creativity. What can I do? Where can I go? The world's my oyster. And I wasn't tired. Like I oh. was ready to do it every single day. But as <laughs> yeah. an adult, you do one thing and you're like, man, that's it for today. <laughs> I respond to three emails. I'm like, man, I need a break. This is, <laughs> yeah. this is crazy. Working hard. Yeah. I go to my job eight to five. I come home. I just want to lay around. But as a kid, I can be out hanging out with friends from eight o'clock to 10 p.m. and still have energy afterwards. I don't know. It's crazy. What other activities do you do for this week? Yeah, I ended up also doing number one, which is describe your childhood room. My childhood room was actually really awesome. At one point... As a kid, I had a small tent in my room and, and the mattress was in the tent. So it always felt like I was like outdoors somewhere. Just a plethora of video games, action figures, coloring books, all kinds of things. And when I was writing that stuff out, I was like, holy, I was a creative back then. Like I was creating worlds within my wow. life uh, of the things that I love to do. And especially not just with myself, but my friends at the time too, were all just trying to enjoy our days by 
coming up with whatever it is that we wanted to do or what we had in our head. So a lot of that room back then was really awesome. I also said my favorite thing about my room, which I realize now is how much creativity was available to me at any moment. And then it asks what your favorite thing of your room is now. And it's the polar opposite. My favorite thing about my room right now is that it's so minimal. So, Have you thought, though, about integrating more creative options of things to do? I think now that as I'm getting into photography, videography, I think that's where I'm tapping back into that creative side. Yeah, it's weird. Like the creativity different now as an adult than it is a kid. Of course, it would naturally be that way. But I guess in my areas, you've been over to my apartment before. It's very minimal and there really isn't anything to really tap into, quote unquote, creatively. But I don't know. I I guess that would need to kind of change, right? Because for you, you have the necessary means to, to draw, to create, to for all that. So do you feel like your room as a kid has now changed as an adult and or do they share things in common? For me, actually, it was opposite. My room as a kid was very minimal. And by choice, I was never in there. I was playing outside as much as I could. I grew up in a small town in Michigan. And so very different than if you're from Vegas. Can't really have that same approach to childhood. But I thankfully was able to. And I didn't have a lot of stuff in my room because I didn't want to be in there. I wanted to be outside with my friends or doing whatever. And so it's interesting. I kept it very minimal. I think I had a desk and a bed, but I don't remember really much else. Maybe some stuffed animals. But now my room is so different. I have so many books and I have a whole cart of just creative things I can do. And I think I would like it to be a little more minimal. And I'm working towards that and condensing space and being more intentional with the space I'm using. But the ability that I allow myself to have different options for when I am inspired. We just learned all kinds of things about (laughs) ourselves this week. Any final thoughts about week three and power and all of this. I think week three teaches us a little bit about ourselves. It was very different to the way I felt about week two, but I think this week feels like almost a stepping stone into what's to come about the way that we approach not only our interactions with other people, but how we look at our own emotions. And I think that I'm excited to see what she's setting us up for because it did feel very, okay, what else this week? But I'm intrigued because I want to still acknowledge what this is teaching us. I'll be interested to see what next week is, which is recovering a sense of integrity, which sounds interesting. But what about you? Anything to say about power? I will say this week felt like therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's why it was like, okay, where's the fun part? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm like, can we? Come on now. I think this is the most I've had to think about my childhood versus a time that I did have therapy where I had to talk about it a little bit. It was really good this week. It was tough at times and really sad at sometimes as well. But I think that's just a part of the process of what we're going through is that there are going to be these moments in time that we have to either revisit or create for ourselves or really dive into something that we don't want to either talk about that is all just going to be in the effort of rounding ourselves as creatives, but also as human beings. So I am excited for week four, recovering a sense of integrity. And yeah, I guess we'll see what comes about of that. We want to hear from you. Leave us a comment on Instagram or Twitter at the LY Foundation 
or on Facebook, facebook.com slash the LY Foundation. Let us know what you thought about today's episode and what power means to you. Also, please leave us a review of the LYF podcast. I just sang for you. And um, easy all can do. Every review helps us, and that way we can continue to produce more content and grow the show. Thank you for listening to the conversation. And until next time, love yourself, love one another, and love this planet we call home.